The Real Investment Show. Morning. It's six uh, seventeen on this uh, Tuesday already. Already shooting through the week here. <laughs> Woohoo! I know, right? <laughs> it's almost the weekend. Hang out. Uh, so, a couple of things uh, I want to talk about this morning is is one. Our technically speaking post out is, is out this morning. It's on the website, talking a little bit about cell signals. Um, the reason I, I bring this up is I've you know have been talking about. You know, our kind of our money flow indicators that we, you know, track here on the show and we talk about, you know, hey, you know, right now it suggests that, you know, market, you know, risk is positive or market risk is negative and um, kind of helps work through these periods of volatility that typically kind of pick up in the markets and, and, and helps reduce risk in, in overall portfolio structures as you're trying to grow money over time. And, you know, we, we talk about, you know, managing money, right? And, you know, often I equate that back to gardening because it's, it's you know, gardening is a very simple example, but it works very well when, you know, looking at a portfolio, which is, you know, like a garden, you have to plant your seeds, right? So you make your investments, you've got to water it, you've got to add money to it from time to time, got to fertilize it. Um, but, you know, what typically people forget is, is that once they see their start, their garden start to grow, right, they get all excited and it's like, wow, this is going to grow. And as it starts to work, they forget to do some very important things to their, to their investment garden. And they work just like a real garden, which is that if you don't eventually, you know, go in and, and weed the garden on a regular basis, you're going to wind up having the weeds kind of overtake the portfolio. And that's where we see this most importantly is where people wind up in a stock that's not working well. And so they go, well, I'm just going to I'm just going to forget about that one for now and we'll put it over to the side. And then when it comes back, you know, I'll sell it. And then another one stops performing. So they put it over there as well. And then another one stops performing. They put it over in the, in the basket. And then before you know it, the basket makes up more than your winners. And it starts to drag on the overall performance. And very much like not weeding your garden, if you don't weed a garden, it'll eventually start to choke out your plants. The other thing that we don't do in an investment portfolio nearly enough is to go in and harvest what we grow. Right? So it's great. You know, I, I plant a bunch of, you know, plants in my garden, they grow up, you know, I produce carrots or tomatoes or whatever it is that I'm growing in my garden. And if I don't go harvest them, they'll, the, the, the bounty, right, the fruit, the vegetables, whatever it is I'm growing will rot on the vine. And then what was the benefit of growing it? And this is the same thing with portfolios. You know, we, and it doesn't mean that we go, you know, uh, people tend to forget that when I talk about harvesting, right, they assume that, I mean, sell the whole position, right? It's like, oh, we're going and we're taking profits out of Apple or, you know, uh, you know, ExxonMobil or whatever it is that we own. And people assume that when we talk about selling some, that we sold the whole position. And that's not what harvesting means or taking profits. Um, you know, when you go to harvest your tomatoes from your tomato garden, you don't go out and 
tear the whole plant out of the ground. You just pull the fruit off the vine so that the vine can continue to produce more fruit in the future, right? And that's kind of, you know, and all this kind of works very well with managing your investment portfolio and things that we just don't do nearly enough is just to pay some basic attention to the metrics of managing a healthy portfolio over time. Now, just as with anything, it doesn't mean that you can't run into a bad, you know, bad patch, right? Um, or that you don't make mistakes. That happens. But having a process or some type of discipline and managing your portfolio can lead you to have a healthier outcome over time. And that's kind of really kind of what the tenet of the article is today is that, you know, we talk a little bit about the idea of having these sell signals, but I get questions like, well, in this market, you know, because of the Fed, the Fed's just, you know, in, injecting the market with all this liquidity, you know, sell signals are just useless because the market just goes up. Well, yeah, you could say that, but that's not really the case. There are still things in the market that don't work from time to time. And areas of the market that you don't want to be in, there's areas of the market you do want to be in. And kind of watching for that rotation and understanding how these things are operating helps you make those adjustments. Again, we're not, you know, going out and tearing up a tomato garden to go plant it with a carrot garden. Right? It's just, you know, we're making small changes to portfolios. We're not completely selling one portfolio and buying another one. But, you know, this is and but this is really what is this comes down to. And, and Bloomberg, I, I got this. Uh, somebody tweeted me and, and we're talking. I was talking about this idea of sell signals in the portfolio. And somebody tweeted me this article from Bloomberg that was basically kind of an interesting premise. It says if you bailed on stocks and ran away from them because markets were extended, you paid the price. In a testament to a straight-up trajectory of stocks, this is a quote from Bloomberg, that virtually all signals that told investors to do anything but buy have done them a disservice this year. So in other words, what they're saying is, is that if, if there was any signals like uh, overbought conditions or you know large deviations from long-term means, you know those type of things, that if you had sold stocks and, and trimmed back exposure, then you would have paid the price. You would have underperformed. And the example they use is, is that every time a, a portfolio got two standard deviations away from their mean, which is, you know, just simple explanation. That's kind of like stretching rubber band as far as you can, that you sold everything and went short the markets. Now, this is the important concept, right? As we were talking about a moment ago, when managing your portfolio, you don't go out and, and, and you know, till up your tomato garden and <laughs> plant a carrot garden, right? You don't do that. You go out and you, you harvest the tomatoes, right? But you leave the plants. And what Bloomberg's suggesting is, is that, well, if every time the markets got overbought that you went out and you completely ripped up your tomato garden and, and planted a carrot garden, that you would have done yourself a disservice. And I agree with that. You would have. That's not portfolio management. Right. That's 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 an attempt to time markets and market timing is fine. There's people that that attempt to do this, but it's not successful over time because you can't replicate 
the success of a market timing metric every single time. And when you lose, the losses of trying to be all in or all out are too great. You lose too much. But the, the, you know, the important thing here is that, that when looking at those types of analysis that are all in or all out on some basic metric, you know, that's investing in hindsight. And that works great in history, right? If we could all invest in hindsight, we just all go back to 1990 and buy Apple and be done with it, right? We don't get that opportunity. So when we, when we talk about managing risk, we're talking about making small adjustments. And it's important, though, to understand that there's also a very big difference between what the media talks about in terms of performance and what matters to you. And this is the problem with a lot of financial plans. It's a lot of problems with expectations, we all have this idea that markets just generate 6% annually over time, and I'm just going to get 6% every year on my money, and that's not really the case. That's not really how markets work. And that's also not how money works for individuals either. And this is why there's always a, 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 a rather large disappointment between expected outcomes and real outcomes. And, you know, this is... You know, this is just the basic reality of markets. Since 2000, from 2000 to present, the markets had a 4.96% annualized rate of return. Now, that's a full percentage point. That's 20% lower than the 6% rate of return that everybody was promised. So already, if your plan was based on 6% since 2000, you're already behind the, behind the curve. And think about that. That's 21 years ago. That's 21 years you have not achieved that 6% rate, rate of growth. And more importantly, that rate of growth was zero in 2013. So all the gains over the last 21 years came in just the last six, seven years in particular. Now, if you happen to start investing at the peak of the markets in 2007, your rate of return has been 8% so far. So that's been okay. But that's only one half of the cycle, right? We've had this major bull market cycle over the last you know, decade. And so we still have the other half of the cycle to go, which suggests that these returns going forward because of current valuations and a lot of other metrics are going to be lower. But even with that, because of the issue that happened in 2009, uh, sorry, 2008, Investors who were banking on a 6% annualized rate of return only got back to their 6% annualized compounded rate of return last year. After being in the markets from 2007 to present, last year, they finally got back to their investing goal of 6% annual. That's just how you know important these corrections and markets can be and, and what it does in terms of setting back investors from their long-term goals. But when we come back, we'll just talk a little bit about what you should do in terms of a market where risks are clearly mounting and how to navigate that in terms of your expectations and what you should, should do 
over the course of the next few years. We'll, 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 we'll come back and talk some more about that on the other side of this break. I'm your host, Lance Roberts. Don't go away. When nothing gets me down, you got it tough. I've seen it toughest around. When I know, baby, just how you feel. You got to roll with the punches and get to watch me. The Real Investment Show. You could be one of the 7 in 10 people requiring long-term care in your lifetime. Are you prepared for nursing home care costs averaging more than $7,600 a month? Our next virtual lunch and learn will cover the management of long-term care expenses that could make or break your retirement. Join Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff for the basics of long-term care. Long-term care. Register at realinvestmentadvice.com for our virtual lunch and learn on long-term care. June 24th at noon. Realinvestmentadvice.com.